0: We wanted Ben.
1: Welcome to episode 130 of the Smugglers Galaxy podcast, your favorite Star Wars podcast for smugglers in the galaxy. Uh, this morning we got uh, Jonathan Robertson with us. I remember it. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, it's Robinson.
1: <laughs> Robinson. Shoot. I used to work with the Robertson like back 20, 30 years ago, and so I'd always do the same thing. She'd have the same issue where you forget the T. And of course, Jason. Guys, yeah. how you guys doing this morning?
2: Uh, very well, thank you. Awesome.
1: Sorry, <laughs> oh, Jason's in the clouds.
2: Yeah, sorry.
1: <laughs> Jason's got his head in his clouds more than once. He uh, changed the background to Cloud City, and as always, we we have gremlins, and it ne- you know never ceases to amaze you how hard that can throw you off your game.
0: Yeah, like before I even start, I started getting ready. We we recorded nine thirty on Saturdays. I started at nine, and I realized that my Facebook wasn't allowing any messages through mm-hmm. on my computer. So I had to quickly switch over because i i only had a half hour. I couldn't fool with this for a couple hours.
1: <laughs> you start getting ready at nine for this show?
0: Uh today I did. Okay. Not normally.
1: All right. Good. Cause I'm like 9 25. I'm like, oh man, I gotta go get ready for the record.
0: That's most mornings, but because we had <laughs> Jonathan on this morning, I wanted to make sure I was ready and like the worst case scenario is that we're fooling around for a half hour trying to get this thing up and running.
1: Right. Yeah, we, yeah, and yeah. When we got guests, I don't like wasting their time. So,
2: I've got uh, an eight thirty call over here in New Orleans. So, oh jeez, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. You are in New
1: Orleans. You see, that's a, I'm like, all right, because because Jason was like, Jonathan wants to come over, and I'm like, okay. And then I see your face, and I recognize you a little bit. And then now that you mention New Orleans, it may I remember you even more. So it's, it's I remember faces, but never names. No, that's How fine. I,
2: Good. Oh, I'm finished.
1: <laughs> How do you guys know each other? Well, I,
2: I've seen Glenn, uh, you know, at uh, different shows. Uh, I thought I thought the last time was up in Cincinnati. He was up there, and I know I saw I formally met him at ICCC, I believe, for the very first time. But uh, been aware of Glenn's presence because I've I, you know listened to all his shows and everything uh, in that regard, but but not really being able to meet either one of you until i've met glenn uh i believe up in nashville for the very first time and of course he he has that connection to louisiana i'm i'm not native to the state but uh you know know that a couple of you guys have you know gone over there to uh georgia uh major livelihood there and uh there's only maybe a handful of us here in louisiana that actually collect uh or talk star wars at all it's not as much as you would think coming out of uh, there's a lot of cosplayers and whatnot, but when it comes to the collectible side of it, it and especially vintage, it's, it's it's very few and far between.
1: Yeah, I, when I was down there for Chewbacca's, th- I found the com- I found the comic book store, and then they're like, "Oh yeah, there's a collectible store, but it was closed on Monday." And we, you know, it's it's hard. I like trying to shop when I'm in out of town, and there is nothing in New Orleans to.
2: Now, as far Glenn, as have, what about Slidell? Have you gone through Slidell? I have not. You okay? So, yeah, it's gonna sound like a pitch, but the thing is that there's there's a comic book shop that my friend owns there. And I okay. think next time you're down through, uh, because I, I assume you have to come down through I 10 anyway, yeah, uh, bypassing a Slidell. And, and the, the thing is, there's a really wonderful, uh, vintage store there. Uh, I don't. I I don't want to be gauche and name the name if that's not proper. No, go for it, man. uh, Well, uh, showcase comics and collectibles. And if that's something, you know, next time you're down to see family and whatnot, hit them up. I think, you know, you'll find a nice little uh, bit of uh, vintage uh, offerings there. And, uh, but it's it's weird because it's such a small cell of individuals uh, that we have down here. And it's not like the big cities, especially in the southeast. I know it seems like yeah, compared to the north and the west i mean they have they have the numbers they have the 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 fans that you know you know can actually go after what they want and and find what they want down here in the southeast it seems like it's a little bit more slim pickings but uh, at the same time and even in the smaller states like mississippi and louisiana maybe alabama to a point it's not much that we find, and, and those of us who can gravitate towards each other and and find that common ground, a uh, common uh, love, you know, of the uh, hobby, it's uh, it, it's nice when we do eventually, you know, come across them. And uh, but it, right now, it seems like on the North Shore, and I know you'll know that term, the North Shore, and everything seems to be kind of the haps. Seems to be where where it really uh, occurs, as opposed to New Orleans proper. They're they're just concerned with Anne Rice novels and, and voodoo and you know it's like <laughs> I mean, it's they don't the you know what I'm saying I mean yeah and I and I would have thought there would have been a much better or more uh, impactful uh, aspect of the collecting scene down there in New Orleans but quite honestly I coming into the state in 2004 I was kind of disappointed by it and and I had to find those little pockets those a uh, few individuals who spoke nerd like I did so
1: what what part of the city or what part of the state are you in uh, uh Covington Covington okay I yes. I my geographic knowledge of New Orleans stinks but I kind of it yeah <laughs>
2: <laughs> so you know obviously the 24 mile causeway on top of the lake yeah that's literally what separates me from the the rest of you know, civilization, so to speak, and uh, so you know that big hole that's in the state of Louisiana. Obviously, that's what dominates uh from a, a geographical standpoint. Uh, you know, that separation between the North Shore and uh, New Orleans proper, and it's it, it, and, you know that's what I do is like, to commute into work. That's what I have to do all the time. Yeah, yeah, that's that,
1: yeah. <laughs> that, that bridge is something. Yeah, first it time is. you know ever you know you take my wife on that bridge, and she's just like, "How long is this bridge?" and it's like, it's 24 miles. <laughs> you're on it for a while. You know, and every time we take people in New Orleans, they always, they get on the Lake Pontchartrain bridge and it's just like, what the hell are you guys thinking? <laughs> Dude, sorry.
0: <laughs> Faster than a boat.
1: Yes, yes. it is. <laughs> yes.
0: So I have a couple of questions for Jonathan, just to get to know you a little bit more before we jump into like pickups and news and just talking stuff. Um, you had mentioned you, you commute
2: to work. You work in the movie industry. What do you uh, What do you do? I'm uh, what's known as a second assistant cameraman. So, uh, in lay terms, it's basically the guy who just claps a slate and uh, assists the first day first AC, which is the the focus puller, uh, the man who keeps everything in focus or the woman who keeps everything in focus. And uh, I'm the one who assists uh, them through the changing of lenses or if we change up the format of the camera <clears throat> excuse me into handheld steady cam uh onto the crane back to uh, the dolly if we have to change up like that uh it, so it's a never ending process of uh conforming the camera to what the director and the director of photography need for that shot mm-hmm. and and then of course it's marking actors and it's uh, that kind of uh, relationship between other crew members between other departments like grips and electricians that you have to uh, you know keep up and uh, so it's obviously a very niche uh, vocation, but yeah. uh, it's as you know there in Georgia uh, which kind of took the it, it took the uh, the title from us uh, from uh, Hollywood South, you know, uh, a couple years back, like 2015, 2016. Yeah. And has just been running with it, you know, as, as you guys know. And uh but uh I, it, that's the kind of traffic I would not want to have to deal with if, if <laughs> I was asked to relocate some.
1: <laughs> no, Atlanta traffic's ridiculous.
2: <laughs> trying to think of recent
0: movies shot there. Uh, there was that Hugh Jackman movie.
1: Mm-hmm. There, There Where- was one little movie. What? Shot there about three years ago. Which one? Bill and Ted Three. Oh, Bill and Ted mm. Three. <laughs> yes.
0: Are you, yes uh, to, are you allowed to talk about the
2: movies you have worked on? Yeah, because I think it's long past. I, yeah. I, I would assume, I mean, because the the NDA and everything is uh, would not be applicable towards anything recently for me. Right. Uh, uh, of course, I don't have the the high caliber of like Marvel and uh, films like what's coming out of uh georgia but yeah. at the same time so you mentioned i, I don't know if uh the Hugh jackman you were referring to was um uh, we Reverence. i did uh a reminiscence reminiscence that's it yeah you. we shot it as jade earring and okay. uh at the time that was a hard very hard film it was a great uh, film you liked it yeah i did okay good i never watched my <laughs> I, I never watched my stuff I just never, yeah, I never get to sit down and watch anything. It's always going to be kids' movies and things like that, and, and obviously Marvel and, and Disney. But uh, the in uh, the aspect of a huge undertaking like that movie uh, was it, and, and Hugh was just just a dream. He yeah. he absolutely is, is. I think anything you've ever heard about him is absolutely true. Kind of like Tom Hanks in that yeah. sense. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, they're Greyhound with Tom Hanks. We shot that a World War Two film, which yep. is on a gimbal. You know, it was not, I don't, you know, I know what, what might have been seen on screen was obviously nothing we depicted, uh, in real life, uh, except for being on the USS Kid, which was on the Mississippi River. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, the second G.I. Joe movie, that was, that was fun. You know, and, and I came up from the, I'm an old, old timer in the sense of I came up when we actually did shoot film, not just digital. I was a film loader uh, for 12 good years of my life. And I've been in the um, camera department since 2000. So coming up on, you know, 23, 24 years of being a camera assistant and, uh, but having my hands in the film magazines with the negative was always uh, just a wonderful thing. And it's something that, you know, a lot of the young kids now who are getting into the film industry, probably won't have that opportunity. Right. So, but they'll be, yeah, they'll be changing out memory cards. Just, yeah, that's right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, uh, a half terabyte, if not all the way to a terabyte, you know, uh, capacity. Wow. And that's uh, like when we used to have to thread uh, the film in the, uh, the compartment, uh, the body of the camera itself. And if you didn't do it right, it would chew it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, uh, it, it was the worst, the worst sound you could ever uh, imagine. Uh, but it's, uh, I I, I cherish that time in the film industry and it is, is very rewarding. It can be very rewarding or can you can find out quickly that that's just not something you're apt to do uh, just like in any uh, career uh, in life. But, uh, but yes, uh, the state of Louisiana has been very uh, good to me and my family. And obviously as I've been able to grow a large family here uh, as, as it's been deemed through how much work has come through. Awesome. We are a Star Wars
0: podcast. You listen to us. I would assume that watching Star Wars as a young kid got you into the film.
2: Uh, yes, sir. I would say so. I would yeah. say that, uh, you know, I mean, I, to go on, onto another tangent, I, I thought watching Raiders of the Lost Ark was going to be, you know, mm-hmm. the way I wanted to become an archaeologist. And mm-hmm. what it turned out to be, it was the love of that, that movie. It was the love of the process of, well, how is that done? How do we how do they put that on celluloid? And then allow us to suspend our disbelief for just a couple moments and really believe there's some dude being chased by a boulder, or that there's actual spaceships in you know space, uh, you know, fighting each other, and two guys are uh, you know clashing with two laser swords. It makes you know it 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 doesn't make sense when you read it on paper, but when you see it, your brain really just shuts it off and and, and kind of says you know I'll go with it. And so, what is that process by which? that makes us enduring fans for so long. Yeah. Uh, I think that is the the language of cinema. And I do believe that that is, uh, y- and your brain will absolutely know when it's wrong. Your brain will absolutely know when it's like, no, nah, this doesn't jive or when the effects look bad or, or again, when it's just too many, too many effects and the story's not there yeah. to really, you know, hold it. That's, that was the whole point about star Wars. It wasn't just all those uh, special effects. It was that story that really enraptured, you know, uh, us into that, uh, universe.
0: Speaking of Raiders, like there was somebody underneath that truck being dragged. it may not have been Harrison Ford, but when you watch that, you're 100% certain there is someone underneath that, that vehicle, you know, feeling the rocks, using a whip as the thing to get them back. And then you watch dial of destiny and you see them fall out of the, the Super Bowl trailer. You see them fall out of the airplane and you're like, is that real? That looks like it's all CG and that that's disappointing because most of Raiders, all those stunts were real stunts and, you know, swinging through the the jungle vines of kingdom of the crystal skull. A lot of people didn't like things of that, um, like the nuke the fridge and the aliens. I didn't like the fact that they're using CG to
2: swing through the jungle. I agree. And that seems to be a lot of people, the turnoff that a lot of people had on crystal skull uh, plus, you know, from, from a, from an artistic standpoint you had the dp who was not the same dp as the first yeah. three obviously right uh, you know that's the uh, that's correct and even though he lived a very long life uh but the thing is that uh he didn't emulate the the style or the mm-hmm. lighting uh, it you know you look at it it seems like i've heard other podcasts where they talk about where it seems like everything's a virtual set almost the way it's even though it was in a real setting it felt like it was lit in such a a a false way or, you know, it just, it it doesn't look natural and uh, it doesn't look as appealing as what was set up with those first three movies. I think that's a major drawback. And, you know, uh, and to, to Spielberg's credit, I'm glad he kind of stepped away from this fifth one. Maybe that's exactly what it needed. And, you know, I I, I love like all of us growing up in that era. I love most of everything he's ever done, but I think that is very admirable to say like, look, someone else take the reins and i think we're probably going to get a good product
0: i think so too because it sounds like from harrison ford talking steven spielberg's dna is woven throughout this new movie um when you look at logan which james mangold wrote at the end of wolverine's life we're just moving sideways to the end of indiana
2: jones's life and i'm very excited to see what he adds to that and we shot down here in you know new orleans and new mexico uh, so that's it's, it's got that kind of tied, too, as well, which uh, I wasn't part of that crew. But from what I heard, it was a well-organized crew, and there wasn't a lot of wasting of time for what uh, Mangold wanted. Uh, so much, again, to his credit, that man knows, I have to admit, probably knows how to you know run a movie set and, and get exactly what he wants. So the finished product, uh, whether it be Indiana Jones property or any other kind of movie that he's ever worked on – We'll show those efforts.
0: I'm really excited to talk to you, especially with this knowledge I know that you have of the film industry. We wanted to have you on for the end of the year wrap up, the 2022 wrap up. I'm very curious now to know what you thought of Book of Boba Fett um, Andor and Obi-Wan. What were your
2: thoughts of those star Wars shows? You know, it starts off. Like I think all of us, it's every little kid's dream. And now as adults that we get, this experience that we get this opportunity uh, to uh, to have the what ifs answered, yeah. Because uh, you you know, like we were asking these questions, like, well, what happens? Uh, what happened prior to the episode four, uh, the setup and everything, and and uh, or what happens? Did Boba Fett really die in such a dishonorable way? Is what we thought in Jedi? Yeah. I mean, to have such a wonderful character like that, uh, you know, uh, end it so un. Uh, Unign- I can't uh, minute, I'll, I'll pass that word the thing is that it just wasn't graceful it wasn't yes. you know <laughs> what we would thought was such a uh, such a bad character like that and so you know here's the time to redeem that and that's great because we can uh, uh, redcon everything and so it seems uh, t- even though you didn't mention it totally love Mandalorian that, that you, you had me there I can't wait for you know season three yeah. I mean, even my even my wife loves that. Go figure. She all this she can't stand. Absolutely <laughs> cannot stand it. Doesn't understand it. Uh, and, You're motioning uh, to your collection room behind you. Yes, sorry. Just, so yeah, yes, okay. exactly. It's it, you know, and uh, we're doing radio. So the, the thing yeah. is that, uh, the the thing is that uh, that w- that showed that true potential that Disney had, uh, and the people that were you know heralding. Uh, the the efforts uh, for putting that good so to speak television or platform streaming uh, for us to view they, they actually knew what they were doing and 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 had the and it wasn't just all about the money and everything but we were really I think bringing fans uh, closer much the way that you know Clone Wars did years before yeah you know, and I just during the pandemic only went back and watched Clone Wars mm-hmm. and how gratifying that was. For, for an old guy like me, because I thought, like, that's for the kids. Yeah. Let the let the yeah. kids have that, because it's just not me. But when I, you know, I, I went online and I decided to watch them in the order that the Internet kind of told you to watch it in, because I was mm-hmm. curious to do it that way. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty rewarding because I'm a I'm a chronological kind of guy. I got to I, I want to see it unfold as it's supposed to be told. And um, so when we get to Book of Boba Fett, I thought this is going to be great and a little crestfallen when i did see it and then they they kind of sandwiched in that mandalorian aspect uh uh, into it and i thought okay well it's got that redeeming quality to it because at least we get to see a little bit more mandalorian with obi-wan i think it's that same kind of tired you know criticism that you know we hear from one podcast to the other about how it's just like oh yeah we get to see you know, Obi Wan be a fishmonger by day, and then you know try to you know, be a social justice warrior by night, you know, so to speak. And it's there were aspects of it that I loved, like I did like the the Vader Anakin aspect that you know uh, you didn't kill uh, Darth Vader, I did. Yeah. Like, wow, that's that's pretty deep. And yeah. uh, and so it had its moments, but I don't think it was as hard hitting as Mandalorian. I I think my heart still belongs to Mandalorian. In
0: mm-hmm. and Andor. So
2: uh yeah i didn't i, I didn't even get past the first episode uh, oh, really? that's wow. my that's my fault that's my fault because i just kind of i don't know i i again with the the work that i have and everything i'm very um uh, i be- barely get to watch anything and then of course you know the kids kind of dominate what gets to be seen on tv so uh, i'm kind of like come what may I, I i hear all the good things about it i hear that it's one of those slow reveals that you know you do invest your time with it and it's not one of those that we gotta cram it all in two hours and get out of here. It's right. you know and that, that's what the movies suffer from, obviously. But when you have that um opportunity to unfold it page by page like a book does almost, then it's a little more rewarding. I think it's something that, you know, we as viewers can appreciate, but we still do live in a you know, McDonaldization of society, where I need it right now, fast and I, you know, hot and fresh, and I got to get out of here and consume it. Yeah, and so the, right. the the thing is, I, I, I'm. It's nice to slow down. I think that was what was so wonderful <laughs> about the pandemic is it, it did allow us to slow down, look at life, look at each other, in that sense. And uh, you know, I that's that's the best thing I think I took out of that. Plus, can apply it to life later on. So yeah.
1: Yeah. And or is definitely as it's a slow burn, you've got to really work, I think, to get, I'm, you know, people I because what they released the first like three episodes back to back or something that really helped that show. Because I think if they were to release those once a week, it would have hurt that show real bad because like you did, you're you're halfway through the first episode going, where's this going? And at least at that point you could go, OK, cool. Let me see where the next episode's going to take me. You know, and it's sitting there waiting, like you said, hot now, ready. And you could at least experience those to back to back to back. And, okay, let's see where it's going.
2: Exactly. Uh, you know, it, it's just, it's my fault I didn't give it uh, a little bit more time. And it's always there, ready for me to uh, take it take it back when I'm ready. Uh, but like again, I'm worse. Yeah, exactly. And that, that a wonderful thing, because, yeah. like, if this was the 1980s. We would have to wait for it to maybe come out on uh, VHS, I guess. We yes. couldn't go back to the theater to watch this. And when you did miss that opportunity, well, you know, when does it, does it get aired on television later on? Do you, does it come back into a format like VHS or DVD? Uh, and uh, that's just obviously as we were kids and everything, that's, we had to be patient. We had to learn patience. And now we can have it kind of whenever we want as long as we have that streaming platform.
1: Yeah, we're we're all old enough to realize or remember, okay, you had to be in front of the TV at eight o'clock on a Friday night if you wanted to watch something. There was no, oh, let me see what's on, or you know, I remember having a set of ECR, you know, and crazy stuff like that. Now it's all at your fingertips and it's like you you kids. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all are so lucky. Yeah. Times have changed. Yep. I remember well. I mean, yeah, and talking to my parents, like, because my dad was on TV for something, and you're like, "Well, what happened? How'd you record it?" And it's like, "You can't." And if you weren't sitting in front of the TV at the moment it happened, it was gone forever.
2: Hmm. Yeah, so, I can't imagine back in the '50s or the '60s or you know, I mean, or '70s even to that point where yeah. it's like if you totally missed something, you'd have to wait to either like a commercial. You just waited for it to recycle back around, as opposed to like, well, I can get on YouTube and. Look at any kind of advertising. Like if I miss the Super Bowl commercials, then you know, think about that Super Bowl commercials from the late '60s and early '70s. You, you know, I mean, I know they would re-air them if they was a, if it was a national spot, <clears throat> they would do so. Excuse me, they would do so uh, throughout the year. But <clears throat> to miss it all, you know, in conjunction with other ones that were going on and everything, it seems like wow. I just you'd have to listen to a, a friend, you know, retell it or you know re- re- recount what they saw. So as opposed to us just like oh I missed that spot let me look on YouTube and see uh, you know what's been uploaded uh, the, the things that we have we we basically have the libraries of Alexandria on our on at our fingertips you know yeah. uh, in a figurative standpoint because you know just the knowledge that is there and if it's not lost to time uh, uh, or the ravages of you know, decay and poor storage uh if in uh like you know like what things have gone through in the past uh today like doctor who there's I was gonna say seasons yeah, exactly. of Doctor Who that are lost. That is wow. isn't that amazing that they yeah. would have erased or just thrown those out the because of necessity. It's not yeah. they were just being you know jerks about it. I mean obviously to ma- to have to store that much from the 60s the way that they did. Mm-hmm. And uh, where would you put all that? Where would the BBC be putting all that at the time? And, and I'm not, I'm not even a Doctor Who fan, but I can appreciate the, the storage of media and what it's like also, what is it? Like Schlesinger, Leon Schlesinger, uh, with Warner Brothers and everything. He would rewash, he would wash cells in order to save money and, and, and reuse those cells Uh. for animation. So in Warner Brothers, there's early, early cells that are absolutely gone because, and there's even film of him and another colleague. Them, they photographed it washing cells and who could wash the cells the fastest and wow. it's the most incredible thing in the world like wow that's a lot of history and a lot of you know money if you think about it uh, down the drain right yeah
1: but I mean that's why that stuff's so valuable you know like people think oh I want to go back in a time machine and save my toys it's like if everybody did that these toys would not be valuable look at power of the Force 2 everybody saved their crap at that time and it's because people Played with their toys is why it's so valuable. I mean, and and bringing that stuff back to Kenner, how many wax molds or wax sculpts got reused?
2: yeah it's neat to uh, read uh, ron salvatore's uh the uh article he did on the Kive uh on I'm sorry on the uh, archives and uh the the fact that they could reuse those uh certain figures uh, like say big head han to, to represent han hoth and then the stormtrooper for hoth stormtrooper and then you know blue snaggletooth for bosk it was neat like oh my gosh the correlation the the, the similarities are irrefutable uh mm-hmm. it's absolutely stunning when you see, you know what, just to save a buck, absolutely, because it costs a lot of money to bring those toys to the shelf. Right. The, uh, these companies aren't playing around. If they can actually save money, and that's in the case of the double telescoping saver, it, it was just not, you know, uh, it was cost prohibitive to do something like that for as long as they wanted. And it was, it was a noble idea, wonderful, you know, but would it stand up to the LP? a logo that would adorn most card fronts early 12 back card fronts and no it could not you know child was going to go through that like you know like nothing like wet pepper back and so the thing is that uh that goes for anything that kenner you know did with say six million dollar man into star wars transition or with star wars and superpowers into uh robin hood prince of thieves we constantly see that and mm-hmm. it's in and, and other toy companies too. I mean, uh, he man is the biggest offender of that. <laughs> Quite honestly, how many times you use a buck and right, arms right. and legs, <laughs> you know? So uh, in, in that sense, uh, but kudos to them for still being able to make something, you know, very interesting and not, uh, and, and still sell to millions, uh, millions of units to millions of children. It's, it's incredible. Right.
0: Speaking of interesting uh, that, backdrop behind you is incredible you've got i see bib fortuna over your shoulder how long have you been collecting what do you collect you know are those things like things that you bought off the store shelves or have you gotten these at you know the cincinnati toy show and things like that iccc
2: no it's just a fake filter it's like your are oh, okay uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. this doesn't exist no okay cool yeah it's a virtual set the uh awesome. <laughs> the thing is <laughs> so uh like all of us you know started playing with the vintage uh at an early age i'm I'm a Jedi kid, uh, yep. in the sense that I was born in '76, so I didn't, I wasn't there with the, uh, the uh, older individuals in the sense of saw Star Wars, saw Empire as a kid, yeah. too young. Jedi was a different matter, and you know saw the movie twice and and, and loved it, and so by the time Christmas of '83 comes around, actually as early as uh, Christmas of '82, started getting Star Wars toys because on a whim, my mother went to a garage sale down here, uh, down in uh, Alabama and then mobile is where I'm from originally. And she presented them to me just to see how these three and three quarter inch figures would, uh, interest me. And apparently it it went off without a hitch. And, uh, so she decided to buy more by the time, you know, Mm -hmm. birthdays came and then we lead up to Christmas of 83. Uh, Mm -hmm. it was just a cornucopia, a smorgasbord of anything Jedi, Uh, And and it was it kind of opens your eyes as to how much stuff that they were still doling out, because like you mentioned in the last um, episode, the collect all ninety two bug and the whole idea of why collect all ninety two is there. It's very important, you know, that you it's represented and you should be able to get that still, regardless of what the card front says, Mm. you still have that figure to pick up from a previous movie. And that's a beautiful thing for a child like me who's coming into it late, so to speak. Uh, and and uh, so uh, but G.I. Joe would kind of, you know, take the reins after after Jedi. It, there was no other movie there. It, there was no other interest, uh, so to speak. So G.I. Joe took it from really from 82 all the way to, to 89. By 89, I was already jaded with what I was looking at with Hasbro's offerings because I there was a figure that I just purchased. There was the same one from 1985. And I'm like, what? You know, it's, it's the same figure, but a different paint uh, scheme. And I felt like this is—I'm why am I'm, I wasting my money? Plus, now I'm 13 years old, and I don't want to play with toys anymore. There's a mind switch there that occurred yeah. that um, allowed me to start being a collector. And I was in eighth grade at the moment, and I just started asking all my kids in private school, like, "Hey, you got any of those old Star Wars?" Uh, figures because I could if you don't want them anymore I'll buy them off of you so I started collecting loose and you hit the I hit the flea market and all the way from 89 to about 93 I was doing that and you know just addicted like crazy trying to collect the stuff that came before my time period knowing that oh there was stuff that existed that I never even saw on the toy shelves and uh, that led to finding out that there was uh, carded stuff still out there I just thought all that stuff had been consumed gobbled up it's gone you know and now all that exists is loose and boy was i wrong when there was a gentleman that lived in an apartment complex behind my neighborhood someone turned me on to him and he uh he was just sitting on an apartment full of old store stock uh boxed carded uh the the picture that i have uh from that time period uh in the uh, early 1990s, he used the whole front room of his apartment as like a warehouse. Wow. And what he was doing back in the late 80s, he bought stuff for pennies on the dollar, local to Mobile. And so the thing was that he just, you know, hoarded it. And then in the early 90s, he got onto the whole toy shop magazine aspect of doing commerce through the mail. And so not only was he doing... Uh, all of that business uh, from a national standpoint, but he was doing it globally as well. So when I met him in in the front in my front yard, he pulled up one night. My father's very suspicious of all of this. He's like, <laughs> he's, he's I wonder like, why. What? Hey, hey, yeah.
1: there's a guy, an old yeah. guy next door, and a hey kid, get in, in
2: my van. Apartment. I got a Luke Skywalker. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> I'll take
2: you to it. No, and, he, he he basically brought the product to the to the street corner, you know, to the street uh, the curb, and yeah. so I, and my dad is just like what is going on here? I mean, he, he had heard of drug deals. He knew that they were possible, you know? And, and so uh, me and my friend from high school were, you know, poised. We had $20 and $30 respectively in our pockets, ready to spend whatever we could. And this gentleman uh, pulls up in a sports uh, hatchback and, uh, you know, pops at the, the back. And then of course there's like four or five computer paper boxes. Wow. And he starts flipping lids and I'm like, oh, look at that. There's Buck Rogers in one, there's, you know, Kenner's Indiana Jones and in another, some G.I. Joe. Ooh, he's got my whole childhood here. This is wonderful. Get to the Star Wars, like, ooh, a lot, of, a lot of Jedi. Some Empire Strikes Back mixed up in there. And they start flipping and flipping. And my friend immediately pulls out like a 65A and a uh, Obi-Wan and a 65A Darth Vader. And i like, ooh, those look as fresh as like 1983. What is, what's going on? And the guy's like, yeah, you know, I normally charge 15 bucks a piece. Uh I'll let you have them both for, you know, give me $20 and we'll be happy. I'll be happy. So oh Evan. My God. Yeah. So my friend Evan grabs those two. I'm like, oh man, I hope I can get as lucky as that. So I keep flipping and I'm seeing a bunch of Java goons and you know, nothing really that's standing out. Cause I'm kind of I'm wanting earlier the better, it seems like. Uh and then of course, oh, Boba Fett. Great. It's, it's another 65A. And uh, so, you know, pull him out. It's like, well, what do you want for him? Yeah, I'll do, I'll do $10 on him. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> and then and it's like, well, I got another 20 bucks. What do I spend it on? And uh, that's, I found this weird carded. And I, and I could have sworn I'd seen him up in Birmingham before. Because that was only, we didn't have a Toys R Us down in Mobile. We did have one up in Birmingham when I'd go visit relatives. And I saw a wall of Power of the Force. And like, what is all this? It's like this witchcraft with a coin and all that. It just makes no sense. Like, I are they and what are they doing? Going backwards by putting a Luke Stormtrooper, you know, on the card. It's like I and I just I was so engrossed with GI Joe that I I went and uh, that that time when I was in Birmingham, I went and bought a tripwire from GI Joe with two manufactured with two left arms, and that must be my. My so-called reward or punishment for having not bought Power of the Force back in 1985, 86 when I saw all that, but to go back to you know the uh, to 1993, here I'm now looking at uh, Carded EV99, and I'm like, oh, that that was always a cool robot. I thought she really, you know, was menacing, and I love that voice, that Richard Marquand voice. And so basically, uh, I said, well, how much you want for her? Oh, that, this one comes with a coin, so uh, it's going to be twenty bucks. And I think the guy probably knew I had $20. I'm, I'm sure he just kind of, you know, he wanted to gobble <laughs> yeah. it up. So I'm like, so I'm like, ah, okay, fine. So $30 was spent that night. And then of course, you know, have to you know, do the walk of shame to go back into the house. Cause my, my dad's like, well, what did you spend? What did you get? Well, I spent all my 30 bucks. Like you better stop that man. He's leaving with your money. He's like, you know, <laughs> he's like literally thinking I just got, you know, highway robbed. And, uh, that it was the poorest decision in the world at that time. And, And it's one, it's one of those things that when I do have my father come down and visit that, you know, I like to kind of, and out of total respect to my father, I just like to kind of remind him, like, this was a pretty good investment, dad. I mean, if you even, if you, at its time, it wasn't an investment. It was just the, I wanted that because it was Boba Fett or it was a a toy that, uh, you know, any one of us probably would have, you know, picked up at that time. And uh, it was only seen as in that light and not as in like, this thing's going to be worth a lot of money one day. I, di- I didn't care and I thought 10 dollars was a a good amount of money uh, at the time. So that's what that started the bug. So ever since it's been men on card, you know, I'm up to you know 570 specimens all all of them different uh for just Star Wars alone. Um you know I, I know that's not there's uh, there's other you know uh, collectors out there that deserve uh, you know mention like you know Jeff Jacob and Jeff Acton Camp and uh Ian uh, Sanderson all those kind of individuals have i know you know far greater numbers than myself i just i'm a you know easy you know i'm i'm, I'm the tortoise in the race so to speak and i'm happy right. to just come across oh, cuz i know patience has been mentioned you know in other uh episodes and i really find that rewarding i really do i, I don't go hunting for certain things i just let if I come across it, that's when I feel like that's the opportune time.
1: Very, but uh, the real question is, Do you still have those two figures?
2: Yes, sir. I Um, I do. I I still, I still own them. Um, You know, I just, uh, I I think uh, the only thing I ever really, I I, kind of like a black hole collector in the sense that um, anything I take into the uh, collection, it just kind of stays here. It doesn't really escape unless it's an upgrade. And so, anything that was bought in the '90s at that time, because it was just, I might have been overwhelmed a little bit, and probably bought something that had a crack in it, or you know, a a bad litho tear, or something like that. That that's why maybe something like that would not have remained in the uh, collection, but it has literally been replaced with something of similar, uh, or uh, you know, uh, the exact same uh, characteristic and identity. Like I said, everything the five hundred and seventy. Uh, carded figures I do have are all unique in every you know aspect. I I, I don't I, and I like it because it's a curation of how Kenner you know did their packaging and and I think that's what I appreciate more than anything else. It's not about like uh, how much can I obtain here before I die. It's 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 quite honestly it's the appreciation of what was put into uh, this to attract us and our parents to buy uh, that toy at the time. And, I, and, and what I do like is the, the minutia of it. I do like the, the weird things that do pop up while collecting this stuff because we're learning something every day. I mean, there, there's you know, when that removable M3PO on a 45 back came out three years ago, four years ago, whatever that was, out of Hong Kong. and there were several specimens that came out of that eBay purchase, mm-hmm. starting with Bill Cable. Mm-hmm. That was something we thought would ne- we'd never see the light of day, nor was it ever explained why that 45-back removable limb 3PO never hit the market. There obviously is something internal that Kenner did not like coming from that factory that didn't meet requirements or whatever. Because by all you know intents and purposes, he should have been there, just like the uh, sensor scope R2 was on a 45-back. That was his debut. And that should have been 3PO's debut with the removable limbs. But- for whatever weird reason, they held back on that and kept them there at that factory in Hong Kong. And until whatever that was, 2018, 2019, when it finally came to light, that's just an incredible thing. And, you know, again, we, we keep seeing, uh, uh, what was it? The made in Taiwan, Boba Fett, 48 back empire strikes back card back that was uh, shown here recently. That's an interesting, you know, I, I, I think, uh, uh, like Ben Sheehan said, that was a a test. That was what that Taiwan factory uh was producing to you know to show what we could do once the Jedi mm-hmm. uh stuff starts kicking in. And mm-hmm. uh it's kind of retroactive refits that you know Kendra would tend to do. And uh, I I don't believe that is a production example like like Ben Sheehan had said. So hmm.
1: it's amazing the stuff that sneaks out of factories, yeah. man.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Especially modern, even in modern times. I mean, there's many prototypes uh, that aren't aren't supposed to really uh, be out there, and mm-hmm. yet you know, uh, you know we're hoping, gladly so those guys who do collect that stuff uh, have that opportunity more so than anything you know, vintage. Uh, but even the vintage stuff uh, that was taken home, and you know, uh, those employees who just wanted it as a reminder of their work or pass it along to children in the neighborhood or whatever they, or their own children. Cause I know yeah. that uh, a lot of that stuff can appear in garage sales around Cincinnati um, uh, due to the fact that the, uh, the employee just simply gave it to their kids to kind of have fun with. And they, they didn't see it as any kind of monetary advancement, uh, especially with n- nothing insidious, you know? Right. So.
1: Yeah. Cause I've got stuff that, has been confirmed. And it was like, Oh, I threw that stuff away. Or I thought I threw that stuff away and people dig it out the trash. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just amazing. You know? Wow.
2: But yeah. So uh, I think Jason also, the, most of this has been acquired through you go back to the nineties. It was, yeah. I, I like the, the in-person purchases. I think like we all do, we get a satisfaction from that knowing like your brains at ease you, f- you you will easily hand over the money you know, uh, in in a comfortable you know state than if you would if you were sending it through the mail or paypal yeah. uh, paypaling somebody even with goods and services you still maybe get skunked and oh, yeah. uh, doing something you know in person obviously you have that relationship for just a small time or it may be uh, you know grow into something better uh, throughout uh, life and that's you know like I remember you I, I purchased from you before I'm happy to do it again because yep. you were an honest guy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and I, I think that was the wonderful thing about those early toy shows and those uh, situations uh, that uh, afforded you to look at the product in person. Of course, a lot of eBay in 97. Once the that's opened up to us, uh, 97, 98 was just anything you could possibly imagine you could have. And I think that quelled the idea that, oh, blue Snaggletooth tooth is so rare. No, it, it's like it's just a it's abundant, but everybody wants it, just like the Boba Fett tax that everybody talks yep. about. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants him and he's abundant, but there's always going to be a high price set upon that individual or that, that figure. And so uh, and then, of course, into modern times where now Facebook is its own marketplace. And, uh, you know, we get to again, you can forego or get around the whole ebay fees and all that a uh, hassle uh and and just do it kind of in a more informal atmosphere and uh but again it always goes back to those meetups and those times where we can get together and um you know show what we have to sell or buy from each other and again i think that does tend to um uh solidify uh relationships yeah yep. absolutely the community is important it is
1: yeah. The the uh, more I get involved with the community, the better it gets. You, you it know, does, it, yeah. And it's taken a long time to get there. I mean, I've we've been doing the club for like five years and been doing this podcast for a couple of years, but it's like, it it's, it takes a long time and it takes effort and it takes going out of state and it, you know, it, it you gotta, you got, you get what you get, get what you give out of this community, you know? So definitely, yeah. uh, you know if you guys don't know of a local club or local you know hunt a club down or something you know get involved with the community don't you know there's other nerds out there and mm-hmm. and it's going to do you nothing but good to get involved with it
2: that's right that's right we uh right after katrina we had uh, started up a club in uh based out of baton rouge and it was called red stick rebellion
1: oh no dreaming of a better sleep tossing and turning is not your destiny and Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet,
2: sweet slumber
1: to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com.
2: Kind nice. of. Uh, yeah, that's it. And it kind of like dissolved by 2015. Oh. But it was. That's what really the the ones of us that know of each other came together through that venue. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was, it was pretty rewarding. I mean, because it wasn't just like, oh, we all collect toys. No, there were the cosplayers. There were the people who loved the novels. There were the people who, uh, you know, at that time were, you know, digging on the uh, Clone Wars. And, you know, and, and of course, it brought in younger guys too so it wasn't just a bunch of old dudes there were, there were you know some ladies representing as well that was wonderful and you know it's like well that's a community that really uh, in its in a nutshell defines uh what community is and because it's very eclectic and it's not just one uh demographic that is being represented so uh and and i, and I hate that it's not around anymore I, w- I would love for louisiana to be able to you know represent like that um again uh, but uh, the it was nice for that time period of what, and especially right after Katrina, because yeah. Katrina was just a punch of the gut, yeah. And uh, we kind of you know needed that uh, to feel normal uh, again. Uh, so kudos to the, the the guys who brought that to the forefront out of Baton Rouge. Uh, but you know, uh, speaking about you know different venues or clubs or whatever, uh, you know that's what's so wonderful about celebration. That's what's mm-hmm. so wonderful about the Cincinnati Toy Show. Yeah, uh, you know it's it's again. I know we've hit upon this several different times, but it really is about the the people. It, mm-hmm. The the toys are just kind of like it, it's like the banner, you know, over a circus tent. Quite honestly, you know, come mm-hmm. one, come all, because we got stuff inside here. But it's the person that you're sitting next to in the bleachers while you're watching the acrobats and you know the the clowns juggling that you know quite honestly uh, you know you have to kind of either get to know because you're right next against them you know or you know uh hey i could be doing all this and never stick my head out of the shell you know i could yeah. all i could just like there th- i know there's guys with flying radar absolutely yeah. but it well, like glenn what you said is is about you know not just the the taking and the taking but it's also what can you get back to it and to mention like with, with the, the Men on Cards, that's why, you know, with that one group that uh, uh, Stephen Folcar has uh, has uh, put up in conjunction with a lot of us Men on Card collectors, the front back com- uh, John Kellerman combination of a group that oh, allows yeah, yeah. us to see what all exists from a population standpoint for Men on Cards and what what holes there are. And that helps us understand from a, you know, a scientific approach about like, well, he, that makes sense why we don't have this represented with this figure on this offer, so to mm-hmm. speak and 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 or if something was unknown for so long, such as when John Kellerman did the book back in two thousand and three that kind of went you know underneath his detection, and here we are, you know, twenty years later, able to say, "Oh, wow, we do have a couple of examples of this." a uh, real production uh, piece uh that is found in a couple of other people's collections that's that's what's so important about that it's not about showing off it's not about like oh you know look look what i got it, it's really about like uh, it's a confirmation so to speak of what exists within uh, uh the uh the population as a whole so to speak mm-hmm. uh for mental card and and so yeah from a nerdy aspect of it that's that really gets me going cuz mm-hmm. you know i get to see like Wow! Look how much further I have to go. It, it's like it, 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 I mean, there's there's no way to obtain it all, obviously. Right. But it's fun in yep. the uh, you know, in, in the trying. And uh, but uh, kudos to everybody who's you know, gone to that site, uh, gone to that group, and you know, put forth things that uh, from their collection because it is an an endeavor by everyone. It's not done by just one person, oh. and that's that's the giving back. Quite honestly, about. That's one aspect of the giving back about Star Wars, Uh, not just like, oh, it's a great movie and moving on. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The community that bubbled up is pretty special
2: Mm -hmm. uh, because
0: of that movie. Uh, Any chances of reviving that club? Louisiana?
2: I really hope so. I I would love that. Uh, And uh, again, it would. The one thing I would love to do is obviously it needs to be a, a statewide approach, not just New Orleans and Baton Rouge, yeah, you know, because the challenge. Well, as Glenn knows, I mean, North, anything North of Baton Rouge, it just kind of dies out as far as, you know, it's more agrarian. It's kind of like how Chicago is in Illinois. You've got that great city, you know, you got Springfield too, but everything South of Chicago drops off to just an agrarian type of atmosphere. Uh, Absolutely. You know, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know corn, and, and... corn doesn't collect Star Wars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. You know, I can't imagine too many farmers. You know, I could just sit there and jive with about Star Wars in Southern Illinois. Yeah. But you know, again, there's and and it's rightly so that there's that part of that nation of uh, the part of that state that produces for the rest of this nation. I mean, God bless them. The right. thing is that uh, the same can be said about anything north of Baton Rouge all the way up to uh, Shreveport uh it's it's like almost all Texarkana is what yep. it kind of becomes you know and uh, you know and as glenn knows new orleans is is a it, it's more european and it's set apart from the rest of the state not to mention from the rest of the nation it's, it's like austin is to texas you know quite honestly yeah. uh or, or birmingham is to alabama and you know, it just it's not it's its own little entity and it has its own ideals and, um, so, but I would want that if that was to be, you know, uh, something that could be resurrected, uh, to be obviously all encompassing to the state. And I know it's hard for people to drive. I, you know, I know you guys have dealt that with the, you know, the different regions of Georgia now yeah. it's because someone coming all the way, uh, from the Florida border all the way North that, that's, that takes effort. And you know, even though I'm an hour away from Baton Rouge, I made that drive because I was really. Uh, dedicated to that group. I wanted to be sure, you know, every, well, I think we did it once a month, I believe every uh, first Saturday of every month, I would mm-hmm. go on over there and we'd meet up and, and it was fun. It was just something uh, that I looked forward to uh, from the work a day week. Uh, uh, but it was harder for some people to say, come down from Shreveport about four, four and a half hours away wow. uh, down to Baton Rouge. And so, yeah, I, I totally get it from those kind of States that are, you know, uh, l- you know, farther, north to south than they are east to west uh, like you know you guys are uh in alabama and mississippi uh so it has to be almost regionalized to that point point. and it was hard getting people to even come to baton rouge even people who are from new orleans they just mm-hmm. uh, they like to sleep in uh, after a hangover you know right. i mean uh, people are not going gonna- <laughs> to over in new orleans <laughs> what <laughs> Yeah, so uh but yeah it's uh, and i get that you know it's uh, there's more to life than star wars but you know, you're asking one, you're asking one Saturday out of the month, you know, yes, as well, yes. and so I, I think that kind of hit us hard, you know. But you know, again, it's not about meeting quota and numbers and all that, you know. It's just, uh, I, I, I think it, you know, again, it's about uh, seeing those dedicated individuals that want to continue this, and and it just kind of like died out, uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, nine years after its uh, inception. But uh, I would love for it to, yeah, start up yeah. again, and I would love, uh, you know, again to make it known that it's, you know, for everyone in the state of Louisiana. And if you know, if we had to bifurcate it uh, in a certain from a regional standpoint, then let it be known that we're still united right. in doing so. So,
1: cool. Do you want to go over the news or anything, Jason? Or are we? Is there anything? Because I think. Or- I we mean, wanted- I have plenty of
0: news. I could save it for next week. The only thing I really wanted to talk about um, is StarWars.com and the Celebration 2025. Yeah, well, let's
1: it's- talk about that, since we're kind of on that tangent um, right now.
0: Okay, so real quick. Because uh, I do... I Well, before I get to that, I, I also want to know, Jonathan, what's your favorite Return of the Jedi figure, if that's the movie? <laughs> what was... Do you remember your first? What was your favorite? <laughs>
2: uh... It- uh I did get Admiral Agbar in the mail. I okay. remember that. Yeah. Uh but aside from him, I did like Leia Bouche. Uh I I thought she was it was, you know, there's a little bit of a mystery. I mean, you knew who it was. Yeah. Uh, but I like that you can remove that mask. And uh I think that uh, characteristic for Orlando uh Skiff guard is, is a wonderful thing too. Yeah. Uh so if I had to share uh that stage. It would be those two figures as being my favorite because of that—that that, uh, ability to you know unmask and mask a figure which we hadn't seen before. Or on the head, yeah, that's fine and and dandy and all that, but to totally conceal that, you know, head and that I like I like those two figures the best. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's some great engineering there. I never mm-hmm. really thought about that. There isn't any other. Mask removing characters in Star Wars before Return of the Jedi.
2: Yeah, it's like it's like they upped their game, so to speak, or they might have been seeing. I, I wonder if it was because of what was done with GI Joe. Uh, uh, they didn't have I'm trying to think when that first wave of Joe you really had helmets, mm-hmm. and the second wave of Joe again it was helmets. I don't think they had, but out, there was there's this one upmanship com- competition that's going yeah. on between Hasbro and Kenner at that time, and when GI Joe was released in uh 82 the middle finger they gave to Kenner was releasing 13 <laughs> figures and not 12 figures yeah. <laughs> so it's one up so you know it's and they would continue to do that the fighting in the boys aisle the, uh, the uh, toy aisle of every uh, or every store and everything was between those two major companies it's, they just wanted to kind of keep one upping and i bet you there was probably something internal with kenner's like Look, we want to. We got a movie coming out, but we want to keep those same fans. And I wonder if that was probably a little thing that, you know, because it was done in the movie, because two major characters were revealed uh, to be allies in Jabba's Palace, uh, they wanted to put that, they wanted to really have that as a playing factor, you yeah. know, uh, when these kids are buying these figures. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Celebration. Have you ever been
0: to Celebration before, Jonathan?
2: Yes, sir. I've been to. F- four nice. uh, so far yeah and they were all the orlandos and then the chicago
0: okay awesome well starwars.com ran an article this week outlining five reasons why you should go to celebration in the article it said the next celebration will be in 2025 so 2024 we're going to take a year off um what do you what do you have to say about that Glenn?
1: i'm actually pretty excited about that because doing it every year is re ridiculous on budget. It's ridiculous on vacation time. It's sure. ridiculous trying to explain to the wife, hey, I need to take a week off to go to Star Wars Celebration. Um, I'm actually pretty excited. I think they should do it every two to three years. And that way it's – because I even talked to my wife about it. She goes, you know what? Every two to three years, you can have the green light to go because it's we could save up for it. It's easier on the budget, like I said. You, you could still fit another vacation – in between those times yeah. uh so i'm pretty excited that they're going to push it to 2025 i'd like it to be in orlando but truthfully a six to eight hour drive from atlanta i'd be down with i'd love to see it in new orleans one time i don't know how it would do but it'd be fun well, well go ahead
2: well i was gonna say it's like yeah there will be more drinking for sure yeah i mean but uh and, and what do they do they base it upon like international flights in is that how they really look at a location i don't celebration
1: i don't know i I heard i heard a rumor the only reason it was in chicago is because they were too late trying to book orlando and anaheim and chicago was like their third or fourth choice so they were able to book it in chicago and that's why it got chicago got it that one year okay so I, I'm i assuming that they're going to keep it between Orlando and Anaheim just because that's where Disney parks are and they could make, you know, extra money opening the park up for a night and people, you know, oh, I'm in Orlando or I'm in Anaheim. I'm going to go to the Disney park while I'm here.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Just makes sense from a synergy aspect. I did pull the top 10 largest convention centers in the U.S. Yeah. So let me run through that real quick. Go for now, it. Cause I am betting it's going to be East coast and I'm pretty certain it's going to be Orlando. Like you say, I think they're going to bounce back and forth, but you got the wild card. They did Chicago. So there's always the possibility that they'll do something else. The biggest uh, convention center in the United States is McCormick place in Chicago with 2.6 million uh, uh, square feet of ex- exhibition space. That's obviously celebration 2019, Follow that follow that up with the second is Orange County Convention Center in Orlando with two point one million. That's where they had 2010, 2012, and 2016. Mm-hmm. Probably 2025. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> um do you know what the third largest convention center in America is, Glenn?
1: Uh, the way you're asking me, I'd assume maybe the one in New Orleans. Or are you uh Georgia World know. Congress? Oh, the center. Georgia World dude, that place is huge. It's from what I understand, I'm going to go, but yes, the Georgia World Congress Center is so huge that they had to make the curvature of the earth. You know, they had to uh, yeah, factor that in. Factor that in. Because
0: wow. you can't make it flat without losing space in the middle. Yeah. Wow. That'd Have be you awesome. been inside
1: the World Congress Center?
0: <laughs> no. Oh, no. it's, it's uh, yeah. That's right I next would love to the to see old it here, Georgia huh? Dome? What right next to the old Georgia Dome?
1: Yeah, it's in that area. Um, I'd like to see it here, but I know the major one of the major things is there's not a hotel type. The hotels aren't close to there, but they're building in a hotel adjacent to the World Congress Center right now. So maybe that'll be done in 2025. Mm, maybe. I'd love a 45 minute trip to a celebration versus an eight hour trip.
0: That'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not to have to sleep in a hotel, sleep in your own bed, have your own food, all that fun stuff.
1: (laughs) You sleep during celebration?
0: I do, which is part of the problem. Um, Followed that with Las Vegas with 2.5 million uh, exhibition space. The Venetian, which is also in Vegas. It's the Venetian Hotel, Mm -hmm. 1.2 million. Uh, Kentucky Exposition Center, which I thought was interesting because it's kind Mm -hmm. of in the middle of America.
1: yeah, Or
0: in the middle of the Midwest, I should say. Uh, that's 1.2. And then finally, um, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 is New Orleans with 1.1 1. 1 million exhibition wow. space. Um, NRG Park in Houston with 1 million. Anaheim Convention Center, number 9 with 1 million. Wow. So it's one of the smaller ones in the top 10. And then the last one is San Diego. Uh, so Anaheim had 1 million square feet of exhibition space. San Diego had 615,000. So wow. it's like nearly, almost half as small as Anaheim, uh, for exhibition space.
1: Yeah, I felt like the last celebration they had a lot of wasted space in there. But I also know that it was uh COVID still, and we were still in the COVID era, uh, so they had to you know allow for that. Uh, so I I and I also feel last celebration was rushed, which we've probably already covered. But it, it mm-hmm. feels like it's a real it was really rushed versus what we're what. Uh, London's getting because London's getting a ton of you know a lot more A-list celebrities and it just feels like it's a better put together celebration it felt like the one in Anaheim was like oh crap we need to get this done because we've got London coming up and we have you know we have contracts we have stuff we have to uh, hold up on our our contracts we have to do or hold up or we're going to lose a bunch of money so let's just do a celebration and then we'll go to London Because London's like, what, was like 10 months away from Anaheim?
0: Yeah, yeah, it was a pretty quick turnaround.
1: So, yeah, it it definitely, looking at everything, it feels like Anaheim was just, oh, crap.
0: I would imagine at the end of London, they're going to say, 2025 in Orlando, see you then, bye. Yeah. Which Especially if they already have the date, I would assume they've already, or the year, I would assume they already have the date and the location planned out, ready to go.
1: Oh, with planning a, a, a convention that huge, they have to. Yeah.
0: Um, Colorado Convention Center, where they had the first celebration, is the 12th largest in, in the country mm. uh, with 584,000 square feet. And then Indianapolis had celebration two and three. I couldn't find where they ranked, but they had 566,000 square feet of exhibition mm. space. I'd
1: I'd yeah, I'd really like to go back in time to that first celebration or second celebration where everything is dirt cheap and nobody knows what's going on. And, it's you know, there's not a lot. There's it like the first a torrential
0: flood in the first celebration. Yeah, so that's I why I said to. the
1: second one, because the first one I knew it flooded out. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's in a tent. It was in a tent or something like crazy yeah, like that.
0: Yeah. I was really bummed I couldn't make it. I was a poor college kid. Was it 99, that first celebration? I, there was no way that I could make it from Fort Lauderdale on my own to Colorado. Wow.
1: Well, I didn't find out about celebration till the one before. So I guess it was be like 15, the one before 17 that was in Orlando. Because they did one in Orlando, and then they did one in Anaheim, and then they did in Orlando again. And I knew about the Anaheim one. And then my wife was like, you're not going to Anaheim. And then they did Orlando. And I'm like, bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So you said you went to Anaheim, Jonathan? No,
2: time. I I did not. You went to Silk. Uh, uh yeah, I went to all the Orlando's and, and in Chicago, uh, Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. I, I I'd been lined up to go to that second Anaheim, uh, but uh it didn't work out uh, unfortunately. Uh but it would it, be great because I, I know whether you had the LA one, then you had two Anaheims. So yep. the West Coast has seen you know share of it. Uh I wasn't really aware of them until I think that either the first or the second Indianapolis. And I just didn't think like, well, I don't know how I'm going to be able to fit that into a work schedule. It just, it, it, I, I didn't know much about it. And then my friend was trying to get me to go to that LA one, the, the fourth one. And I'm um, like, I just, I don't know. It, it, it seems like it's going to be massive. uh And especially in a city like that. Uh And to, you know kind of you know regretful but at the same time it, it's nice what it eventually leads to because then that fifth one was orlando in yeah. 2010 uh so and and it's neat because it's such an overwhelming experience like wow it's more than what i uh, thought i could come across and you know the, the the room sales later on the mythical room sales are amazing and then get to finally see people that you've conversed with online, especially you know, coming at it from rebel scum time period. Yeah. Uh, Cause uh, i I'd, I'd been on that uh, probably as early as 2005 when I first got on and uh, was a lurker for a little bit and then started to contribute uh, what I could and uh, with what little burgeoning collection I had at that point, because I, I it wasn't really, I didn't think it was going to match up against what all these other heavy hitters had. And what you come to find out, is like, there's really no, there's no real ranking, uh, the ranking or, uh, you know, being in a caste system of any sort. It's not it's kind of frowned upon in, in the Star Wars community. Mm-hmm. I know there's people who do come in trying to throw their weight around, but that's kind of it's quelled almost immediately. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. we, we just don't we don't you know governed by that and we don't uh, serve their kind here. That's that's actually right. Yeah. And and that's kind of neat. It's, it's refreshing in that respect. I mean, people will still quarrel over toys. Grown men will always, you know, fight over toys no no matter what community it is. But it's nice to kind of know that that you have to kind of like leave your guns at the entrance to the saloon, you know, before you you, you start Talking shop uh, in our community, and that that that's that's nice. That's rewarding. And I, at Rebel scum was always. Uh, it declined into something that's, you know, it's n- uh, nothing that it used to be. But it is neat to kind of go back and uh, see what's being spoken about or what's being discussed, even from uh, that generation that is new, and uh, you know, has it's not just on Facebook. There's still you know new people uh, that are coming into it that are oh there's rebel scum and there's all these archival aspects of it that still do exist um and uh and of course there's great websites like star wars uh or SWAC or uh, I'm sorry SWCA excuse me yeah. and uh, the uh uh you know other uh, things that uh, that are there to help us you know not forget what you know findings have been you know done in the past or what the uh, research especially with the, the the groups in the 90s that were dumps- dumpster diving and and brought all that wonderful stuff to you know that was meant to be thrown away mm-hmm. uh by kenner
1: so yeah i've got stuff from those guys and and you talk to them about it and they're just like oh yeah i found that in a dumpster and you're just like what i, I yeah. picked i bought trash <laughs> you know
2: yeah and that's <laughs> it's neat you know like nyheisel Tom Nyeisle is it, incredible. What he kept from the morgue
1: mm-hmm. and
2: all the stuff that he eventually was, you know, especially on *Rebel Scum*, we could we get a list of what he had for sale, and it wasn't just production uh, pieces, but obviously it was a lot of you know, like printers' proofs and some other prototype uh, aspects of uh, collecting that he had. And at that time, it was it was cheap when you look mm-hmm. back, and uh, but then you're like thinking, oh man, do I have five hundred dollars for a? You know Kenner's Well of soul, Well of the Souls uh, printers proof, uh, you know pieces like that. Um, I mean, I remember buying uh, at Celebration Six from Brock Walker uh, a, a nice printers proof of um, the uh, the do-back, uh that he had framed and matted, and it was at the time it was a steal uh, because most of the work was in the you know the 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 mounting of it. Yeah, the framing uh, and, and yeah, he just said, I don't want to take it back to Kentucky. I'm like, okay, I'll give you $400 for that. That's fine. And uh and I had, you know, my own vehicle I was not flying, so I just, you know, laid it flat and it's and I finally was able to put it up in the hallway during 2020, my wife capitulated. Is that fine? You can have that one piece <laughs> beyond the wall. And and so it's like, well, thank you. So it, it's the only thing that if you're visiting the house, the only thing would make, you know, you think, "Oh, someone likes Star Wars." If you
0: didn't come into this room. Yeah, that's kind of how mine's laid out, too.
1: (laughs) I'm kind of lucky then. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It's changed a little bit, but you walk into my house and uh, it's, yeah, whoa, Star Wars. uh,
0: (laughs) So since we've done this backwards, do you want to talk about pickups this week? Did you guys get anything?
1: Uh, Just as the micro galaxy squadron stuff off Amazon's, all I picked up, uh, the whatever the lad is, the minimalist lad, is that what that? One, the giant, we thought it was a tiger shark, but come to find out, it's a rancor,
0: yeah, from the clone wars, uh,
1: from clone wars, uh, the trivia clone wars. And then yep. I picked up the pose X Wing, which is the orange and, and black and orange X Wing, which I think that's just an awesome color combination. And then I picked up the uh first order TIE fighter last night with the blind box, yeah, because I came back. <laughs> so that's all I got.
0: I pre-ordered all of those, the Anakin Obi-Wan, they came. I got the chases cuz it was a bundle. So yeah. It's got the blind boxes. I got the two chases out of that, which was incredible. Um I was at Target. I've always wanted a miscarded upside down, you know. I you would see though, the vintage figures upside down. There's I'm like that's too expensive for me, even the TVC, the new vintage collection stuff. Um I was never lucky to find one in Target. I know people who have them. I've always wanted one of those i was walking in target and they did have the micro galaxy squadron um asajj Ventress upside down and i'm like is this real is this i'm looking at it and i'm like yeah this is real so i was able to pick up an outside upside down carted uh micro galaxy squadron vehicle so even better that's kind of my jam those mini uh right. vehicles so
1: did you get How anything you? jonathan
2: uh it's you know again when linear... you're You'd think you'd have everything you could possibly need, uh, when dealing with vintage card at, yeah. you know, over 500 examples of them. And but you, you eventually come across one or here there. So, uh, I, I finally got like a, a debut Han Vespin on a 41A with a survival kit offer. Uh, I was able to pick that up, I was able to, you know, get a couple other, uh, you know, just indiscriminate uh, carded figures Uh, nothing really uh, enough to write home about but uh, a friend of mine uh, a friend of mine who's a little bit more persuasive uh, than myself uh, handed me a a box sound wave from Transformers like oh no like and, (laughs) and knowing that that was like one of my favorite it's my probably my only uh, you know uh, favorite transformer in that whole group because I'm I'm just not a, a robot guy in that sense. Yeah, uh, he's like yeah you know and, you know say, name the price. And I'm like gosh that's just too good to really pass up on. So that I haven't absolutely accepted it yet because I just I don't know if that's the route I want to go to because if if, uh, if I actually actually take it in, it'll become a thing. It'll, be, it'll yeah, become a I, rabbit hole, you yeah. know. But it's it's beautiful, you know the the way again how Hasbro kind of did things back then especially the way that they treated that property I mean mm-hmm. that was a if, if GI Joe wasn't then Transformers certainly was yep. a money maker and because the price point is so much uh, it, it's a little more grand than what we were spending on GI Joe at the time so that again I, I'm not I shouldn't count that as an acquisition but uh, it is certainly something that's tempting. And 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 I can see I can see why there are transformer collectors out there. Uh, he uh, he, I think just Soundwave was always kind of a cool, you know, collected character. And he's not he's not governed by any kind of emotion, I guess, or anything like that. And he he looks like he belongs to Cobra you know <laughs> yeah. uh, you know the, he's blue he's oh, got I the never covered mouth about and,
1: that you, yeah. you know and, and
2: it, it's kind of weird i mean now the same as optimus prime has a covered mouth you know yep. as well but i just never associated he's too you know too good yeah but sound waves is bad you know and he just and he belongs like he could work with the cobra itself and you know from a deceptive standpoint but uh but yeah it's uh i think that's the hardest thing like when you when you have so much crap at some point like <laughs> it's uh, the only other recourse I have is to be patient because Mm I can, I could totally like from a financial standpoint, I I could really screw myself in the sense, like going after everything I possibly want. Right. But again, the key word I, I really feel is patience, you know, when it comes to like the way I collect and what, what works best for me. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying this, what everybody should follow, but from what I have found in it, you know, from, from having doing it, from eighty nine, you know, because that's that's when I stopped being a kid. I really feel that I, I became there was a collector mindset that you know uh, I took on that spirit of collecting, and from that time I've, I've I've been able to either overindulge or literally just you know whoa hold off because you know I've had times like when I was working on a movie in Baton Rouge and we'd get per diem, you know, for that week. So according mm-hmm. to the union, you know, they'd give you about three hundred dollars worth of per diem when you're when you're away from home so what was i doing i was sending that money to a guy up in uh, washington state and (laughs) buying everything i like so boxed uh uh was it sealed a wing sealed uh skiff uh a uh boxed unused contents cloud city uh everything i could get my hands on from this old rebel scummer basically that was getting out of it and he i mean yeah uh, yeah a, a, a sealed there was, was a sealed droid Empire Strikes Back droid factory, not the Star Wars example, but the Empire Strikes Back example that they found a case of up there in the Northwest. And this is one of them that were uh, probably six, I think, were packed to a box, I believe. Yeah. And this is one of that he had gotten. And, you know, yeah, a couple hundred dollars here. So when my wife found out about that she put the brakes on it real quick because she's like whoa wait a minute aren't you supposed to be eating on this money I'm like yeah 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 i'm taking you know stuff from crafty home to you know back to the hotel at night and i'm eating off that so i could kind of live so to speak yeah and still send us perd- <laughs> to, you know these collectors and everything and so that was kind of like you know my wife's like no that's you know you need to stop because that, that seems yeah. a little we can we can be obsessive at times as, as collectors as human beings you know it doesn't have to take star wars to do that yeah. but it's whatever the the thing is you don't want that to be in control of your life you know right and, and i've found that that i could be an uh, an obsessively compulsive individual in that sense when it comes to this i mean it's it's attractive it's really a, a a great toy line yeah but is it something that you know i needed to overindulge in? so i i was able to find it like look finding that, that piece of just knowing I don't have to have it, but if it does come within my, my sphere, my, you know, field of vision, so to speak, then uh, I absolutely, if, you know, appropriate will acquire it. So.
0: Yeah. What I hear from you is patience and balance. Yep. Make sure both of them it, are in Yeah, order.
2: It, it It does. And I think, I, I really think that's important. I think, you know, that means that just means we have control. Yeah. We, we get control back as a collector. I'm not saying you have to, you know, eat. people can budget themselves. Absolutely. They can, you know, uh, do whatever they want with their money. I'm not their daddy. The thing is what has worked for me yeah. because of my personality, you know, I just, I have to put it into perspective and put it into better control in that, uh, in that sense. And, you know, again, because of the internet, we can have anything we want at any point. It's, it's incredible as long as you have the money right and uh but you can what also means to say is for whatever budget we can still collect and still be happy with whatever What you know look i'm i'm blessed i'm i'm very uh this is an opportunity that is not given to uh, you know a lot of people quite honestly i just happen to be at the right place right time i had no idea what i was doing as that kid my dad yeah. had every right to admonish me for that you know and I didn't and it wasn't in a rebellious spirit that I decided to do that. You know, it wasn't like, I'll show you, Dad. I'll yeah. collect every last Star Wars. It wasn't that at all. It was just like, well, it it was a toy line that was introduced to me by my mother. And I absolutely enjoy it. And, you know, she's not with me anymore. But this technically still exists in that standpoint of what, you know, she introduced to me. And she, you know, she nurtured that, you know, that love that, you know, that 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 we got out of playing with it. And it, you know, uh, it fostered our imaginations and that those developmental years of being a kid. Those are so important. Those are mm-hmm. so important. We, we have to remember that this is just a tool. These toys are just a tool. And they um, when we interrupt that natural developmental period of being a child, disastrous things can become you know, uh, the adult in us. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's it's sad when things are done to children. It's sad when things when a child can't grow up as well as we did when we were young, that that we had that opportunity, how we take it for granted, you know, of what our mothers and our fathers did for us, even though we weren't aware. Right. But when we're put yeah. in a bad situation, it's like, man, it can go so sour by the time we become an adult. This is such a, a first world problem, you know, quite honestly, <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah, yes, but, but, but I say that, you know, uh, I, you know, with all, you know, respect and everything. I, this is, this is absolutely, uh, uh, it's something I shouldn't have. And I, I completely, you know, and am, am humbled by it, you mm-hmm. know, by the way I've been, uh, to acquire it. And, uh, and, uh, and again, it's, I, it's just right place, at the right time. The nineties was a crazy time, you know?
1: Yeah. So, Great. Right. And what you said, right place, right time. I think a lot of people don't realize is you've been collecting for, 30 plus years and you started when things were $10 a piece. That's why you can have 500 some odd men on that's cards right. as you were paying. You were started 30 years ago when you can buy them for dirt cheap. Now they're four or $500 and you couldn't do that collection today.
2: Right. No, no, that's, that needs to be said. That's absolutely correct. And, uh, I, I could not, if I had to start all over again, it'd yeah. be an even slower process. Right. And it probably, because I'd be looking at a price tag that is much, you know, higher anything i was dealing with 30 years ago it would then make me think "Ah, No, i can only maybe acquire some you know jedi java goons type you know figures and 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 be happy with that Mm -hmm. uh or try to you know the uh, the other thing that people do is like sell off aspects of their collection to fund other things Mm -hmm. uh and uh that's just that's never been you know i guess fun with me i you know because i just whatever i acquire i'm happy i must have set it to you know it's like i want that i'm going to keep it and that's just it that's just quite and i'm happy with it uh so I, i must have made that decision at the point of purchase that you know i why would i second guess myself in that sense but i know there's people that do tend to like to do that because they may have made it fallen out of favor or it may have just, I don't, I don't love that item anymore. Mm. And, uh, but it's certainly better doing that way than dipping into the funds that would go towards, you know, a, a mortgage payment or electricity uh, bill or, or even your kids eating and everything. That's, ugh, that's depressing. Right. You know? So, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, again, you're, to your point, Glenn, you're absolutely correct in that because I, I could not amass this, uh you know in the same fashion with the same amount of money there's just no way
0: right well i do have a hard stop i have to go to ikea I've well hold place. on let me do
1: something real <laughs> quick i, okay. I, I want to do this real quick and then you can go um because i don't want to wait on this box for another week okay go yeah okay what so uh lori the guy you're supposed to be sending the tvc, TVC figures stop. to yeah that's gonna uh, send today it'll be sent today Lori but uh anyway he sent us a package and it was basically thanking us for the TVC figures it's some things that he picked up in UK while he was there for the holidays and uh he thinks they're UK uh exclusives he's not sure uh I have no clue what's in the box and he's like you guys can just uh you know figure out who gets what but I wanted to do this real quick because I did like I said I don't want to hold on to this for another week and then Jason will figure out you know i'll get what's it in going the mail. on I promise. i'm sorry
0: huh I, i'm sorry i'll get it in the mail well
1: no we'll figure out i, I think all right so they're definitely okay hold on they're unboxing. packaged pretty good let me let me
0: unboxing on an audio podcast Un-
1: unbo- well we can <laughs> look at share... that people oh my goodness hold on <laughs> oh my god dude we're gonna fight over these can you tell what they, I can tell what they I hold on? See. These are getting There's me excited.
0: Jaws is it Jaws something?
1: It's Jaws and Back to the Future cereal.
0: Ooh. Oh, oh,
1: we're gonna fight over the Back to the Future <laughs> one, buddy. Oh my God, hold on! I can't open them. Are
0: they vintage or are they no, modern? No,
1: they're they're UK <laughs> exclusive cereals that oh, they. Okay,
0: so they're modern.
1: My goodness, he taped these up good. <laughs>
0: They're protected. They're well protected.
1: They're well protected. This is amazing. I am.
0: Well, while you wrestle with that, I just want to say, Jonathan, thank you. This has been a blast yeah. to talk to you. I really appreciate your perspective and uh, your expertise in the hobby. And it's been a it's been great talking
2: to you. Thank you. It's my pleasure, and thank you for giving me the opportunity. Absolutely. It means a lot. And, I'm and glad we were my... able to get you on. Oh, absolutely! I, I you know, the you, you guys even allowed uh, that to happen to open that up uh, to someone like me. Uh, it means a lot, uh, and uh, all the you know, greater success to your podcast uh, as you go forward. Thanks. You got mm-hmm. it
0: open, Glenn.
1: I'm trying. Here's the jaws one. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> <Jeez>.
0: <laughs>
1: Beating time.
2: So, are they are they little swimmers? Are they just all like, or are they?
1: Back what? to the future. Hold on. I'm going to search
0: of calcium source of calcium source of and component. iron
1: multi-blank multi-grain chocolate balls. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, Jason. You, do,
0: you do love the chocolate balls.
1: Yeah. Put them in my mouth and suck them. <laughs> uh, anyway, they are. Uh, it's sharks. A and shark shark starfish multi-grain okay, shapes. These That's are awesome. amazing, Lori. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry, Jason. You get the jaws one. this is awesome sorry i love me some (laughs) back to the future stuff all
0: right well uh
1: (laughs) read the read the read the thing thank you for for listening to
0: the smugglers galaxy podcast if you could please leave a a like and a five star review of the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. If it's allowed, it really helps us out and points people to the show. Follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Send us an email or message us. We'd love feedback and we'd love to make you part of the show. Our email address is smugglersgalaxy at gmail.com. Thank you to Alfonso Riviera for the Smugglers Galaxy logo. You can find him at Rock the Force Podcast. And thank you to Levi Waterhouse for the music. Hasbro re release VC66. Hashtag vote with your wallet. Pass on what you've learned. Be a positive force in the collecting community. This is the way this is the way this is the way.